The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. You are listening to the Burrows of Berea. It's our anniversary. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea and our special one year anniversary. It's just me and Andy in the studio today. Hello. How's it going? Well, I I got myself a good old-fashioned cold. Yeah, and it's not COVID cold. No, I I took a test, although it was an at-home test Friday. My throat got real scratchy, and my voice started doing this. And so Saturday morning, I got a home COVID test, and it came back negative. So negative. So regular cold, turns out. Well, I'm still dealing with it as well. I mean, I had this past week for three nights uh, out of nowhere, just— Started running a fever, you know, like here we go oh, again. Really? Yeah, but it never got above like 101. Yeah, so like yeah, like low, low grade, low still, grade, but it's just fever. popping up, you know. And it was always the the nighttime, you know, like when the sun goes down and the cortisol um, levels start to. I think they either elevate or drop. I can't remember which one, but it basically I makes say you say elevate. But yeah. I'm guessing. And then here comes the you know the fever, and so I just you know treated it with Tylenol and rest and did what I could, but. This stuff's terrible, man. It's it's going around and it's terrible. It's it's hit all of the employees at the shop. Everybody. I mean, all of them. Yeah, they've all had Just it. like colds or COVID? COVID. COVID. Yeah, we went through a, a rough time where, you know, entire shifts were down. And, you know, we had a couple of people here and there that were on the shifts. That was that was good. I mean, we were able to get through it. But yeah, back when the when it first came down, when, when, when it first hit, you know, in 2020, we lost like an entire second shift for two weeks. It was wow. terrible. Wow. Wow. For two weeks. Wow. It was a bad deal. But anyway, so our anniversary, yeah, uh, we started on February 2nd um, in 2021. And here we are. Uh, today's the first. We're recording the day before, so we can release it, try to release it hopefully on the day of. We'll yep. see. Hopefully. But um, what would you say personally? Have you learned anything just by being, you know, around us? Oh, oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, especially if you talk about like just things that literally happened in the Bible and mm-hmm. books of the Bible. And like, I wasn't familiar. We're not quite done the series at this point, but I wasn't familiar at all with the Olivet Discourse and kind of its place in, let's say, human history. Because, mm-hmm. you know, even being me and kind of thinking the way I think, it's undeniable how these books have shaped human history and thought in societies that we live in. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you don't believe that, which is a, a a tired argument in some ways, but even if you don't believe that uh, the U.S. government was or was not um, founded on Christian principles, again, it kind of feels like a tired argument, but, uh, but it is just undeniable that it, shaped in no small way the world we live in. And so anything you can learn about it is interesting. Yeah. I Does mean, that make sense? if you think about like Jordan Peterson was on Joe Rogan's podcast last week and he was talking about the metaverse and everything that's going on with the Facebook. Know, yeah. Where yeah. it switched to meta and um, this, you know, this interaction that we have with social media, but not only social media, but just 
all you know all around we're, we're little cyborgs running around with our little phones in our hands and yep. you know all of this information we we immerse with you know um what is it the what's it called vr uh-huh yeah um, the, the helmets and yeah yeah the helmets and stuff that people are doing like if you want to go visit the pyramids tonight feel free just put on a helmet oh yeah you can I've walk street that. view have, with it and yeah. you know it's like the world we live in the realities that we create for ourselves a lot of times are you know, cybernetic. Is that the word? I don't know. Yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, but if you think about it in ancient times, you know, the Bible was one of the first printed books, you know, and it it was uh, diverse across generations. And once they put this into a single volume and people were able to learn, you know, learning to read and all that. A lot of people taught themselves how to read with the Bible. I mean, look at Abraham yeah. Lincoln did, you know, like, or at least that's what they said about it, you know. But. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah, that could be apocryphal, but I'm sure it's true for an immense amount of people. Sure. Right. And it was a, a book that was, you know, it's still one of the number one printed book in the world. And yeah, I think it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So if you take. If Although, you, you know what? How is it not the Quran? I don't know. I wonder. Maybe it is now. I don't maybe, know. Guess, I mean, maybe not in America. Yeah, definitely not in America. In America, it's, I'm sure it's still the Bible, right? The the Bible, Harry Potter, and uh, Anne Frank. I think those are the top. Really <laughs> interesting. Uh, and it's not any one particular Harry Potter novel. I don't know. I, who knows? I, I, that's all speculative. All of them combined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, so over the last year, you know, we what we've done is we've taken that book that I believe has shaped. Not only our nation, but a lot of nations around the world. It was it was basically the metaverse of its time. It was the thing that shaped the reality. And so, I just decided, you know, whenever I talked with Billy and with you, that we were going to just read it, and then we were going to come at it from a different perspective. I've always just believed what I've been told, you know, for the longest time. That's what I did. I was a conformist. That's what mm-hmm. I did. And Frank Zappa broke me of that, you know, like his, his quote about, you know, not being a conformist. I lo- I can't remember what it is now. I'm sorry, but. Not, I, not really a conformist himself. Not so. at all, you know, but just an incredible musician. That's a weird music different, but it just started making me think differently. I had some, you know, significant people in my lives, uh, in my life that had died and it had, it just changed me, you know, and I went through the, the music phase and I went through the movie phase and I, you know, I've writing phase. The movie phase was pretty big. Yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. I might, we'll see, you know, it might happen, but for right now, I have no plans uh, to make any kind of films whatsoever. All right. Are you ready for me to massacre this read? Let's hear it. Okay. Uh, Okay. I'm getting this off Goodreads. I'm assuming it's uh, a good quote. Uh, Schools train you to be ignorant with style. They prepare you to be a usable victim for a military industrial complex that needs manpower. As long as you're just smart enough to do a job and just dumb enough to swallow what they feed you, you're going to be all right. So I believe that schools mechanically and very specifically try and breed out any hint of creative thought in the kids that are coming up. Frank Zappa, was that the right one? Close enough. Okay. That's exactly what he did. I mean, um, I think he had one that said conformity is stupidity. You know, yeah, I think that probably, was, yeah, something a little more curt. Yeah, it was like just a t-shirt, you know, and then I started reading some of the things that he said. Yeah. But no, that, I mean, that's perfect. That was a good quote. 
So whenever we decided to read the scripture, the first thing that I brought, if you remember, I, I said, who created the world, you know, and mm-hmm. the belief is always God, you know, God created the world. And I, I've started breaking down some verses in scripture that so showed that the Messiah, that Christ, the Jesus oh, yeah. Christ, Yeshua. Yeah, no, I kind of forgot. Yeah, that's right. Right. That it that it said that he was the actual creator of, the, of all of this, that God the Father wanted it done and Christ is the one that did it, you know, and we talked about how could he do that in time and be in time and all that. It was interesting. One of one of Rick's controversial points. Uh, that it seems like everything we talk about is controversial here, but it shouldn't be. Um then you remember we got into uh who spoke more about hell in the Bible. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was the second episode and that's when uh you know we said it was Christ. You know, Jesus is the one that talked about hell the most. However, what we didn't get into was breaking down what hell is. And we talked a little bit about the Valley of Hinnom and Gehenna mm-hmm. and, you know, where those people were dumped and all that. I've since learned that that's inaccurate. Oh, really? Yeah. That no kidding. The Valley of Hinnom actually does exist. And there was a city called Topheth, I believe it was. And Molech was the god of that area. And what they were doing, they had a statue there that had these hands, like iron hands or whatever, bronze hands, I don't know. And they lit a fire underneath it. And they brought it to like red hot and they placed infants on it to sacrifice to this god. So it was brutal. That is brutal. That's, that's like from, brutal. That's real. That's proper history. Yeah. Cool. It's proper history. And Yeesh. to be honest with you, um, it even says in the Bible, God said, I never even, dis- I never even considered that. Like, it was so evil that God hadn't even considered that. It, of course, nothing escapes God, but you know, it was that bad that God would say it that way. And so, I've learned more about this theory of hell, that the word hell should have never been used in like the King James Version, that word, yeah. that there's four different words, you know, like Sheol and Hades, and I think it's Tanaru and um, Gehenna. And Gehenna is a proper name. It's a place, you know. Um, it is a true valley, but that's where that stuff was happening. And so, basically, whenever Jesus was talking about that, he's talking about an everlasting fire, one that will never end. Those that reject him, this is the end. Does it mean that they're going to be tortured and tormented? There's a couple of verses that say eternal punishment or eternal contempt or yeah. torment, but mostly it's in that parabolic or prophetic uh, Luke chapter 16 where we talked about the rich man and Lazarus, yeah. you know. Oof. Yeah, yeah and that, you know, that one, that was a different one where he's in hell and he looks up, you know, and, but after reading the scriptures more and more this year, I've realized that, um, no, it's, it's not that way that the, you have to know three quarters of the Bible is what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew people call the Tanakh. And it doesn't ever teach that. It doesn't teach anything about or like tormenting or anything. I discovered some as I was reading Josephus this year that that was more of a rabbinical thing. Like the rabbis of the time in the first century had developed this belief. It wasn't necessarily scriptural. It was just something that was taught by the rabbis. Kind of like today when you go into a church and they teach you a lot about, you know, they it's almost like fear mongering. It, it gets you align with, okay, I don't know what comes in the afterlife, I don't know anything, and I don't want to burn in hell forever, so I'm going to make this decision, and so sure. I decide. And that's, you know, to me, it's you're, you're preserving yourself from, and it's, that's rational. I mean, <laughs> you know, anybody that's easily going to fall for that kind of stuff is going to be like, okay, I don't want to burn in hell forever, so I'm going to make the decision. That's interesting. I mean, just the idea of people that easily fall for that sort of stuff, I guess that's a, a weird sentence that 
that's never occurred to me before, but sure, sure there are. There are people who are particularly prone to that sort of thing, and, and I wonder what that is. Again, with, you know, conformity is stupidity, but conformity is the easiest thing. If well, you, well, you know, when the whole group is saying that it's true, it's hard to say, I don't think so. Well, we're encouraged to do it. I mean, it, it makes you more, uh, it makes you more viable as like, as like breeding stock, like literally. Right. I'm, there's a better word for that. <laughs> I didn't, I'm not coming to it fast <laughs> enough. Uh, but there's every reason to conform to your social group. Even if their ideas are bad, you're usually better off conforming to those bad ideas than you are to rejecting them. It's nice to be a part of well, something. Well, it's not just nice. People... Necessary. Yeah, people mostly can't be alone. Of course, some people are better at it than others, but that's not how... We're not built for that. We're social animals, and if right. we don't have some aspect of social life, it's weird. It's mm -hmm. weird for us. It is problematic for our mental health, like really problematic for our mental health in the long term. Sure. And it's usually where you either get it all right or you get it all wrong. You know, you can have a, a great group of people that are doing a lot of good and sure. you can have a lot of people that are doing a lot of bad. Well, and, that's true too. You sure. know, and yeah, so a can, gang, yeah. you know, we call it a gang, you know, but it's, you know, whenever you are like, you feel marginalized in society, you don't have anywhere to turn, you're afraid of the police. And so you find a group of, young people that are much like you and you align up with them and, and to protect yourself. You know, that's one way of thinking. And you do the same thing with your mind whenever you're dealing with the scripture, you know. Some people, they have studied it so much that they'll wrap you up in a little tiny bow, you know, and put you on a package and say, you know, I got you. And then there are some people that they don't know a whole lot and they're okay with that. You know, ignorance is bliss, you know. I, I had, I just got tired of being tied up into little bows, you know, and I just said, okay, fine. I'm going to read this for myself. I'm surprised that more people don't do that. And, mm -hmm. and some people, plenty of people do, but I feel like there's a large population of people that don't say it out loud. Does that make sense? Sure. And that's always a little weird to me where people are like not being like, I'm going to come at this a little like a babe. And I think that's confusing with the Bible because I think it's obtuse and maybe purposefully so, or probably just translation. So I understand that. It is super confusing to just read those stories and try to take what someone who never heard anybody comment on them would. Right. But I think it's a good practice because some of the things people take from the Bible seem just sort of like wild, abs self-serving abstractions to me. Uh -huh. uh, you know, and not necessarily personal self-serving abstractions, but like abstractions that like served some other self, mm -hmm. you know, and they just get carried down through generations because, you know, people believed what they were told. You know? Sure. The, I think the part that fascinated me the most about the Bible is that, okay, if this is a book that's explaining the God of all of the people, you know, that are uh, around us that are believing this book, you know, when you get into a group of people that say, okay, this book is God's word. And then it, to me, it, it was like, Okay, then that means your belief is that this is how the God of the universe, who created all things, revealed himself to mankind, was through these writings, through these prophets, through these people that sat down and penned these things. So, if you believe that that's true, then I'm going to see just who this God is. I want to see who he is for yeah. real. Let's Okay, so he's revealed it. You're calling this the authoritative book. Let's see who he is. So, that's what we've done. To me, it's a fascinating story. It, the Bible literally is a book 
of God revealing himself to a single people, yeah. Israel, the Jewish nation, and saying, you're my people, and this is what I want from you. As my, I'm going to be your God, and I will be your champion. I will fight all nations for you, and you will follow me, and we'll have this great relationship. And it was. It was like a marriage because it says in the Bible that God divorced Israel in the end, like he huh, he yeah. does, you know. It's so this whole this whole Bible, if you stop and think about it, it the first five books are when Moses is uh, who had been raised by the royalty in Egypt, even though he was um, a Hebrew that had been born, and then the Pharaoh's sister actually raised Moses and his family. And then he gets, he sees this people that are being enslaved. They've been enslaved for 400 years, you know, building whatever Egypt wanted built. And then, you know, he murders somebody. This is one of God's many murders a man. And then he goes on the run. He crosses a desert and he ends up, I think it's the land of Goshen, I think. I can't remember all of this, but. You know, and then God comes to him in a burning bush and tells him, I want you to go and get my people out of there, you know? And so it's a it's a fascinating thing that in these first five books of the, or what are known as the Torah, that God has revealed himself to a man named Abraham, who is a very well-off man. He's very, you know, he financially stable and got all of everything that he needs, has a wife, but he doesn't have any children. And then God says, I want you to leave all of that. And I want you to come out here and live in tents in the desert, you know? And, and he yeah. does. He just leaves the civilization and he goes out. And God, you know, because he believes what God says, God says, okay, it's going to be your people. And that's the Hebrews. And then he said, they're they're going to be enslaved. And then we're going to bring them back. You know, he, he tells Abraham all these things. It's just, it's fascinating. Huh. Abraham has a son, Isaac, and he's going to sacrifice, you know, Isaac because God tells him to. And then the angel stops him. And there, there's all this allegory and, you know, the yeah. symbology and things that are going on through this. And then, you know, he, when Moses comes on the scene and his brother Aaron is the priest and they build the tabernacle and then God, you know, in this cloud comes down and he he's dwelling with the people. And it's this is what it's about. You know, it's about God dwelling with this particular people. And you get to look at it in a historical way and understand humanity dealing with a divine being. It's just, you know, it's just odd. It's just how he reveals himself. And you, we always talk about Old Testament God, like he was so mean, like he would... <laughs> yeah, the wrath. The wrath. And, you know, and that's just it. If he's revealing his character, and, you know, we call him the attributes of God, that's one of his attributes. He has wrath. It, the New Testament says God is love. He has love. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He has all of these attributes, you know, but wrath is one of them. And it's it's easy for us as human beings to look at God and say, why did you do it this way? You know, why couldn't you just just make us all automatons, you know, down in the Caribbean and let's just chill, you know, give me steak every day, right. or whatever, you know, like whatever that might be. But God's revealing himself, but the whole time he's revealing himself, this people, they're failing and miserably consider, you know, considerably failing, you know, on and off and on and off with him. And he kicks them out of the land or he you know, brings people in to destroy them for a little while, or he, he enslaves them, or whatever he does, you know, God tries to keep bringing it back. He, and prophecy, when he tells the future, I love this about prophecy, something I've never talked about on the show. Prophecy isn't just a prediction like, this is how it's going to be. It's unique. It's, God says, if you don't change this, then I'm going to do this. But if you do, 
then I will relent and I won't do it. I won't do that to you. And in the case of Jonah, you've heard of the book of Jonah, right? The man yeah. that he falls in the ocean yeah. and gets swallowed by the whale and all that, you know, which yeah, I believe the book of Pinocchio. Or yeah. <laughs> Kind of like that. Maybe I have those two out of out of order. They're chrono- similar chronologically, I, mean, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jonah came first, in case you were wondering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, it's. I have a strange belief about that too. I believe, you know, a lot of people believe that Jonah was alive in the whale. I don't think so. I believe Jonah drowned. I believe the whale picked him up, and that he spit him out on dry land three days later, and then he was resurrected because. Christ is a type of Jonah, and, and Christ says that. He was like, hmm. you know, the sign of Jonah wasn't necessarily resurrection. It was actually that— I don't know which miracle I find more likely, yeah. that he <laughs> did live in a whale for three days, or that he uh, he was spit up and— uh, resurrected. resurrected. Either way you look at Both it. Both approximately the same weight of miracle, frankly. Right. Yeah. But you know, the, it's, it's almost like a parable— if you think about it, God in this Bible is revealing himself. And in the book of Jonah, he's revealed a part of his character that says, listen, these Ninevites are evil and I want to, you're going to go and you're going to uh, preach them. You're going to give them this prophecy. You're going to let them know that I'm going to destroy them. And Jonah, the Ninevites are Gentile. The Ninevites aren't a part of his people. And God has revealed his character about if people relent or they repent of their evil ways, that God will forgive them. And Jonah didn't want God to forgive them. He wanted God to destroy the Ninevites. And God told him, you're going to go. And so he runs. This is another man on the run that God tells somebody to do something. And Jonah goes on the run and this big storm comes and all the mariners on the ship are freaking out. What are we going to do? You know, And he looks at him and he's like, God's chasing me down. Throw me over and you'll all live. And they did. Ah. They threw him over and the storm goes away. And Jonah gets sucked up by this whale and he goes to Nineveh and then he does. He gets spit up on that land. He goes into Nineveh and he preaches exactly what God said and the Ninevites repented and God didn't destroy Nineveh hmm. at that point. Now he does later, you know, because they they go back to their old ways, but Jonah's very unhappy about the sovereignty of God and about God's loving character. He he wants to destroy our enemies. That's what I want, you know. Huh. Yeah, so, well, I guess that's a human impulse, right? Or at least is. it is for a meaningful percentages of the population. It is. And I guess the point is what do we take from that? You know, that's that's what that's where I'm at. It's okay. So I came to the place where I was like, all right, so God is saying I want this and if you'll do this, these people will come back to me and they'll they'll repent. We should want that. And I think that's what God's saying is that whatever my will is is what you should want for yourself because I have what's best in mind. And it's hard to pick that out. It's hard to find that in the scripture sometimes. You're like, okay, where? Yeah. How do I, you know? Yeah, particularly if you're somebody like me, maybe. <laughs> right. Do I pick them up and throw them into hell like you do? Like, no. Yeah. We don't we don't have that power, right? Right. So Well, not literally. No. So after we we did that study on, you know, on hell, then we started breaking down a little bit about who Jesus was, other than just preaching about hell. We we talked about how had, he had the ability to resurrect people from the dead. Oh yeah, that was a unique thing, a uh, unique characteristic. Uh, the the Lazarus stories, yeah. as it were. Yeah, we we actually got into Lazarus that in the the fourth episode, and then we started getting into the Gospel of John and who wrote the Gospel of John, and yeah. we all know who. <laughs> that was all. That was all. That was all pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's speculative at best. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things if John wrote it or Lazarus wrote it or somebody we don't know wrote it. It made it. It made the cut, sure. you know? Yeah. He doesn't claim the authorship of it. 
you know, it just gives enough detail to where we can put our detective caps on and we can say, wow, there's more than one writer here. They've made it very clear at the end of this. And we've always had this. If anybody hears that door, it's it's Kiba. Kiba oh. Las Vegas is making her trip into the studio. They didn't unless I left it in. Uh, <laughs> I think what's happened is this dog just came and asked me to let her out. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, feel free to do so. So, you know, after we did the Lazarus part and we did, you know, who wrote the Gospel of John, I had said that, you know, I, it was my opinion that Lazarus was the disciple whom Jesus loved and the similarities uh, between um, his experiences in the tomb as well as Jesus' experience in the tomb, the Sardarion. Uh, napkin around the head and all of those things. It was just, again, it's speculative, but it's fun. It's fun for me. It's this is, um, it's more than a hobby. It's just something I'm really fascinated with. So I do it a lot. You know, I like I like to get into the some of the different things. Oh, my favorite was still the pseudo all that pseudopigraphal stuff. Oh, the origin. I, I look forward to getting back to like random pseudopigrapha. Yeah, because it there's a way in which. To me, they took a lot of the fun parts out of the Bible. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. it seems like that. Ralph uh, is actually, he's already working on it now. He's working on a series on reading the pseudepigraphal, some of the pseudepigraphal, the major ones, and um, breaking them down and you know seeing where they were in history and why they weren't considered to be good oh, enough to be. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, so he's working on that. And then he's also going to get into the Apocrypha and some of the other writings that didn't even make it to the Apocrypha. They're just non-canonical books, you know. <laughs> that didn't get anywhere, but to read them, you know, and just to see, you know, why, you know, why weren't these acceptable? You know, why was the gospel of Thomas not okay? He was a disciple and it was just, it didn't work with the other books that they'd already placed in the narrative. And so when you're controlling, you know, a book and that's saying, this is God's word. and Absolutely. And that's, I, I think if you don't admit that that's what they were doing to yourself, you're doing yourself a bit of a disservice. Exactly. Know? I mean, it, you can look at it either way. You can say either God is, has decided these are the books that are going in it. It's 66 books and these Christians believe this and this is what it is. This is the true word of God. But then when you go to Ethiopia and the Ethiopian church and they have 88 books, you know, and you want to argue the point, like, why do you have 22 more books than we do? You know, what are you going to do? You're going to argue that point? I mean. Yeah, they're going to have their reasons, right? Right. Yeah. yeah and they're going to believe probably just as strongly that those are the books that God intended. And do you, you want to know what's in all of these books, no matter what you do, there's a place in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus himself said, if you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, the door will be open. So if you're the kind of person that's seeking after him, he'll reveal himself. It will happen, whether it's through the word or through your life or through people, like he reveals himself, in my opinion. And I believe in God and I know that- I actually I actually believe that. And of course, I don't believe he reveals himself, but I think you can find, you will find your path to spirituality all the same. Sure, so. yeah. Well, and then you remember after the Lazarus study, we, we learned that the triumphal entry, whenever Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, how all those people oh, yeah. were there, not just for Jesus, but they were there to see that dude that he raised from the dead as well. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. The famous, you know, we were like, he was like the the paparazzi of the time. You know, like, hey, what's happening? Yeah, the you whole know? crowd following him. Yep, exactly. And we got into the burial and the significance of the burial and how the gospel. Uh, when you when you tell somebody the gospel that it's you believe that he was crucified and that he was buried and that he was raised again, that the burial was an important part of that gospel to show mm-hmm. that he'd actually died. You know, yeah. And then we looked at the four perspectives of the Gospels. Uh, all four 
have a different perspective of the resurrection, you know? And uh, I had said that I was going to put them all together into a single narrative. I'm sorry I didn't get that done in season one. I have that. It's fascinating. I just don't necessarily buy it. You know, it's like— I'm kind of curious about that, too, because it's not— readily clear to me what the differences were. I mean, I realized like some of them have a couple people in a place that other people don't have a couple people and things like that, but it's not just yeah. like- Was the stone on? Was it off? Was there one angel? Was there two? Was there one inside the tomb? Were there two outside the tomb? Where, yeah. you know, did the women go and right. see the disciples? Did they not see Jesus? Did, you know, when did the book of Mark actually end? You remember I said that the earliest known editions that we have actually don't have the last, I think, nine or 10 verses that are in our current Bible. So- uh-huh. That was added at some point at some in time. Point. Yeah. None of this stuff like hurts me. Like I'm I understand humanity. I get how right. it works, you know. It's just a it's just an honest seek. How do I seek out? We did the Halloween edition, you know, we talked about King Saul and we got into uh, how, you know, he and David were kind of like going back and forth and King Saul sort of descended into madness, you know, by the end of his life. And that was kind of a fun one. That King one had the Saul. spooky music in it. Oh yeah. Was Saul the one that that God God, I don't have all this straight in my head because there's so much information. I know. (laughs) Uh, Was Saul which one's the the king of Israel that was kind of like a good king, but God That's right. Didn't is that Saul? That's him. Okay, good. Okay. See, I got that. I remembered that sort of. Yeah, he went looking for his dad's donkeys, you know. Yeah, okay. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and Samuel went and he was a tall, beautiful man and uh, God didn't want a king. He wanted to be the king of the people, but the people demanded it. And so Saul ended up being that man. And he loved his country and he fought for his country and he did all the things that he could. Um, but he got impatient with the prophet Samuel. You know, Samuel was, oh, we right. talked about the power struggle and like who was going to be on top. Yeah, and, okay. Good. Yeah. And then uh, Saul finally, you know, does some sacrificing that he's not supposed to do without, you know, Samuel the prophet. And so, God. Also, he like didn't take a city he should have or something. Yeah, like, he was he supposed had, to kill every man, woman, and child. Yeah. yeah, every man, woman, child, beast, everything. He was supposed to kill it. He didn't. He left some, and then he left a king of the Amalekites alive. And then Samuel goes and hacks him up, you know, with the sword. Uh, yeah, it's pretty brutal, you know. And then he goes and visits the witch of Endor, and that's where he asks, you know, what's going to happen. And she brings Samuel back from the dead, and in a spirit world, like in his spirit self. Yeah. I don't know. It was pretty wild, you know? Yeah. And then that's when you had found the TikTok video about uh, Lucifer. Oh, yeah. 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 And so we broke into that. That got me really interested. And I went on this tear of study, man, and got into, uh, you know, all of that, like Hasatan. Remember that? Yeah. The Satan. The Satan. Yeah. And how um, the Lord, the angel of the Lord that blocked Balaam was actually a Hasatan or the adversary. So the Lord, the angel of the Lord was the Satan, you know, in the story and yeah. how yeah, it's fascinating. Adversary. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we talked about the divine council and how I had said, I believe that God had created when the Tower of Babel happened, that he appointed gods over all these 70 nations. And when Jesus comes, then he's fighting some of these disembodied spirits, you know, that have been ripped out of giants or whatever, and they're left on the earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... That's fascinating stuff, yeah. Yeah, the Nephilim, you know, we talked oh, the about. Nephilim. Yep. Yeah, Nephilim. I the heard Watchers. Yeah, <laughs> Nephilim. There. Bad joke, sorry. <laughs> That's actually what you titled it originally, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, as we always do a side study, and then we do a group study, and then a side study, and it just depends on who's here and who's doing what, so they're all over the place. But 
we started talking about the KKK. We started talking about, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, we got into the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. We got into the Black Lives Matter. We had our my uncle AJ and my aunt Joan come in and we talked about uh, a little bit of critical race theory, but then also the history of slavery. I don't know that we ever actually talked about critical race we, theory. We only mentioned it. Point. Yeah. We mentioned it, yeah. but we I'm bringing them back because we were actually going to go into that, you know, and the education system and how you should handle it and you know, not like we said, we solved racism. And yes, totally. <laughs> hey, look, we did it. Hey. <laughs> Finally, we're all happy now. And then, of course, we hit the, you know, the highlights, the holiday edition when my wife would come and um, we did the Thanksgiving and we talked about the Wampanoag tribe and uh, the pilgrims and, you know, and who they really were and how this all fits, you know, into this single narrative, this Christian group that was in England, that went to Holland, that went back to England, that came here on the Mayflower. Of course, they were on the Speedwell, and like you had said, they called it the Speedwell because it was leaking so they could get back quick. Yeah, Yeah. it was more of a prayer. (laughs) Exactly. And then, uh, yeah, and then we had that fun one. You remember the interlude one where we stopped and we did like a comedic look at some of the— Oh, yeah, the verses out of context. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we did the verses out of context. We're going to do another show in the second season because there's so many more. We barely scratched the surface. Yeah. But I just remember, you know— Yeah, I don't know if you're going to beat— Emissions like that of donkeys. We didn't even talk about it. Did you know? We didn't even do it. Did that not get into the? Nope. It didn't oh make. Oh my god. We well, we talked about later. it. I read about it in the in the lead up to it, but we never actually covered ha. it. And that's one of the funny ones. But it's not even the funniest. We didn't even hit the funniest verses that that I've read. It's pretty crazy. One of them. I'll just say this, and we'll get to it. But whenever Aaron, uh, whenever Moses goes up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, you know, God's going to write them on a tablet. You know, God writes on this yep. rock for him. And while they're gone, the people are like, oh, he's gone, he's dead, it's over. Aaron, you know, help us out. And so he asks them to get all the gold, and they give him all the gold, and he builds the golden calf. This is a story I know. I guess it's kind of one of the one of the hits. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the A-side. Yeah. You know. This is an A-side of the Old Testament, for sure. <laughs> and uh, But what's funny to me is that when Moses comes down, he sees them all worshiping this golden calf, and he, he throws the tablets down, you know, and breaks them, and he's— you know, he's furious. And then he goes to Aaron and he's like, what is this golden calf? And Aaron is the one that made it. Aaron made it out of gold, right? He fashioned that calf and he's the priest, you know, he's the Israeli priest. So he's like, what is this? And he's like, look, all the people brought their gold. They threw it in the fire and then out came this calf. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even own up, you know, that's funny. It's just too (laughs) funny. funny. Like, how do you take the priest, the first priest, the Aaronic priesthood, and he literally lied? You know, just lied about making it. It just did it itself. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny cop-out. Right. Then we had the Christmas edition, which I thought was really interesting. I was trying to just focus in on one thing, but nobody wanted to, so we did three different perspectives. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we had the you know the biblical story. That one was a little chaotic, to That be one fair. was very chaotic, yeah. you know. Yeah. The biblical story, then uh, Ralph was uh, did a study on Saturnalia, and then I brought in the stars and how it all worked astrologically, you know, and when Jesus was born on September 11th. I say. You yeah, know. that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Always a controversy. We just can't talk normal stuff, no, right? No, well, Rick's got <laughs> ideas. Rick, you can back them up. I mean, if you want to go to scripture, but feel Rick's free got to ideas. do some studying on your own. You'll figure out some cool stuff. Then we covered, do you remember the mystery of God? Do you remember that episode where- Actually, you might have to refresh me on that one. Well, it just so happens that in the Old Testament, all of these things were prophecies that the Christ would come. But the one thing that wasn't said that was revealed only to the Apostle Paul is that it was going to be sent to the Gentiles. That Oh, yeah. 
No, I do, I do recall yeah. that coming So up. it was a secret in history. None of the prophets really broke into that, but it was a revelation only to the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter that not only was it gonna, was salvation going to be of the Jews and for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles, for the, Gentiles, for the rest of the world. makes sense that it would come to Peter, right? Because he was like the first big, what's Super the word? Apostle. Yeah. Super apostle. Super apostle. Yeah. Super apostle. <laughs> One of the original 12, you know, and uh, God gives him a vision of a sheet with all these animals that are considered unclean and you're not supposed to eat it. And God tells him to eat. And he's like, I won't. He says, don't call what I say clean, unclean. And so he's basically saying- Oh, so that's what changes those uh, Jewish laws about pork that's right. and stuff. Is that revelation to him? Okay. Yep. New fact for me. Yep. There you go. Now, I think a lot of them still, and he even, I think after that, he's still sort of stuck with eating that way. He didn't eat with Gentiles. He did whenever other Jews weren't around, but then when other Jews came around, he would act weird about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter would, and then well, Paul called him social out. social pressure. Right? It was. There you go. Group think. Yeah. And Paul called him out. It says he stood up to the face and said, hey man, you're eating with these Gentiles when no one's around, but whenever the church comes in from Jerusalem, then all of a sudden you're Mr. Jew guy again, you know, and you're that's, not. That's an entirely human impulse right there. It really is. It really is. We got into the, uh, when we finalized the resurrection, we got into that cold case study, you know, where we looked at it from a homicide detective's point of view. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a neat one. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, <laughs> during, those during those resurrection episodes um, and all of these miracles, uh, Ralph and his miracle of birth. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was so much fun. Yeah. And then we decided to do a couple of episodes to break down spiritual birth. Yeah, the birth of, yeah, the water, spirit and water. And yep. Yeah, yeah, born yeah. of spirit and water. And that was a lot of fun. We never really finished it. I know that um, it got, it was a very hot topic. It got very interesting, like predestination and election and are oh, you yeah. chosen before or do you choose God or do you receive it or not receive yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, it's always anything you, any, everything gets rough when you get into like, predestination and stuff. It's a subject, it's the only subject I literally just let wash past. Yep. Like predestination because it's just Yeah. It's just you that's where that's where I'll I'll get stuck there if I start there. Yep. So I kind of I actually don't with that with predestination. Mhm. Mm so. Yeah, I mean, it's it is so difficult to imagine. Um but as I got older and the more mature I became, I guess, as a Christian, the more I was willing to accept that God is in control of everything other than my volition. However, he still controls the total narrative. And by saying my volition, he doesn't make me go inside there and break your computer sure. today. I'm the jerk that did that, sure. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but See, in this is where I... Oh, God. This is where we could just like get to a brick wall super fast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And probably will one day break well, down some is, of this. It's one of those things like it's – I don't – it's an argument I don't get into because I think it's going to be unproductive in short order. And I don't mean uninteresting and uh -huh. I don't mean unfriendly. I literally mean in short order it's going to be unproductive. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. That's not to say those other two things. But it's just going to get parked, and then you're just going to be like, we're going to be talking about some crap people have said oh, <laughs> many times before us, right? Sure, So yeah. it just feels unproductive. Yeah. It's weird because there are some churches today that ascribe to what they call Calvinism. And then, you know, it's basically the God is sovereign over the will, 
and then you have some that believe in the freedom of the will and their mm-hmm. Ar- uh, Arminianism. And that's because that was the debate. Jacobius Arminius and John Calvin and Do we have free you know, will? the Reformation. Yeah. yeah and the Reformation. A- ongoing. Yeah. And even today, you know, it it's still a point of contention between some sects of Christianity. For the audience, the me thinks that no, we don't have free will. But- right. But it doesn't matter if you can't see the future. There's no difference between having free will and not having free will. That's right. Cause and effect. And we, however, whoever we are, the way that we make our decisions until something changes us. And if something changes us, it might change the decision. But there again, it was the cause. Yeah, you summed that up, I think, well enough for me. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And then we got into uh, the Olivet Discourse, which is where we are at the end of season one and going into season two. And uh, it ended up being a little bit larger. I, I thought it was oh, going to be. It's huge, and I want to. I've said it before, but like going on like college level, I think. Yeah, it's it's an intense study. It is, and we we are definitely going to go through it, and it is going to be very detailed. And I and see why it's important to you. Obviously, it's a super important. Well, it's it's important to you not just because it's important to Christianity, but because of your views on. The the end, not the end time. That's right, what eschatology. Eschatology, yeah. End of time so, or so, end of but the it age. Is, it is like one of the, I guess many points of the Bible are hugely, are like massively pivotal, but it's one of the big ones, I yeah. would say. It's something that I discovered and continued to, you know, pour some effort into studying and learning more about it and looking at this as a historic event rather than a future event changes your entire viewpoint, your worldview, even just your day-to-day life. You know, you, I don't feel that same pressure that I used to feel. And if I share my faith with people, I believe again, without the freedom of the will, I believe that if that person is going to come to believe these things, that he's going to be born from above and he's, you know, this is something that God will do. And it's in his time, not mine. It's not your time. You know, in 20 years from now, Andy, who knows where we are? Oh, absolutely. You know, right. I won't be doing this podcast. I don't think (laughs) (laughs) that would be amazing. Yeah. We got to stay in business, man. We got to stay in business to do it. But, you know, I've studied for a very, very, very long time. And so I'm not, in 20 years, if I'm alive, I'm still going to be studying because you're talking about a divine being or, you know, centuries of writing that you're trying to understand, even the culture. Like Hebrews talking to Hebrews, we don't really get that as Americans. Like we make Jesus an Americanized icon when really he is a Hebrew icon. Yeah. Yeah. Lily White. I've seen him, I've seen him depicted in, in my lifetime. With blonde hair and stuff, blonde yeah. hair, blue eyes. He's yeah. got yeah. He, like I so said, he looks more like of a, the drummer. I feel like a seventies, eighties way to depict Jesus. You know, I feel like there's very few people that are out there depicting him with like blonde hair and blue eyes anymore. But right through the seventies and the eighties, I feel like that was a thing that wasn't that uncommon in the U.S. Right. Yeah. Strangely enough, right now while we're having this little discourse, and I'm sure not many people care. However, Tom Brady, the well-known oh, yeah. quarterback officially retired just now oh, no on kidding. Instagram. Yeah, he actually did it instead of people so and all the talking. it's not a rumor. It's, it's not uh, a rumor. It's real. He's actually retiring. In my opinion, the greatest the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. I don't follow football, but from a, a complete layman, I mean, it seems like that's how people treat him. So probably either – it's probably yeah, I mean, at least arguable. He has five Super Bowl rings. Uh, very few people. Uh, I think the closest anyone else has, like in quarterback world, is like two. Oh, wow, maybe. that's a yeah, that's a big and, difference. Uh, and then I think Terry Bradshaw has four. 
uh, Terry Bradshaw has four with the Steelers. Anyway, we got off topic, but I just, it well, just that's, that's news, what's happening. Actually, yeah. February 1st at you know 10 a.m., he's announced he is fully retiring, which is, wow. Yeah, he had a long era. career, right? 22 that's years. long for a football player. He's an old man. Yeah, in a football that's world. long for a football I mean, can you imagine having like 300-pound dudes running four four forties? Only you quarterbacks can I mean, make it this long because there's <laughs> a line of human literal freight cars in front of – you know what I mean? Those other yep. guys that are – whose job is getting hit and taking hits, they do not make it 20 years. No, not at all. That's why some of the best, like Barry Sanders, ended his career so yeah. early. And I think he was smart because yeah, he can still walk. Yeah, think. Some of those guys <laughs> – are yeah. messed up and absolutely know it. You know what I mean? And yep. like have done that whole oh, thing yeah. where they, they're like, hey, you need to scan my brain and figure out that maybe we can help other people. Yeah. That's exactly what's been going on. You know, there's been several uh, NFL veterans that had committed suicide because of so many yeah, concussions. Yeah, it, it makes you, know, you brain bad. Uh, yep. Okay, left. <laughs> Turn left. <laughs> Back to it. So, yeah, we'll we'll just wrap this episode up. This was just a revisit of the last year. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I wish that I had the rest of the group here with me, but I just I, we couldn't, couldn't pull it schedule together. it. The, the, you know how it is when all yeah, these people in lives and stuff. So pretty much, you and I are the only ones that are in all episodes because yeah, we have totally, to be. <laughs> totally. If it was, it would be there would be crickets without you, and uh, and and nothing. <laughs> and we can't without record me. without yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, it would be a yeah, it'd be a very silent one without you, but. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're getting back together this coming Thursday. Uh, I think was mm-hmm. that February third, and uh, I'm going to bring everybody a little anniversary gift. You know, one year anniversary is a lot of fun. No, no jewelry. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. But <laughs> no candy, no jewelry, none of that. But um, it's been a lot of fun, and I appreciate all the effort it's, you put oh, in. We I, could not do this without your amazing. I appreciate effort. you. I'm I'm glad to I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. It's fun and informative. Even from my perspective, it's fascinating. So. Yeah, and if I want to say this to all the listeners who have been with us, and there's quite a few, you know, I've seen as many as two thousand listens, which is awesome. And I mean, that's mega church size, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a preacher; I'm a layman. However, um, in the end of all this, no matter what we study or no matter how much we disagree on whatever it is, how we treat our fellow man is really where it's at. And Jesus was a compassionate man that gave more and more and more of himself his entire life until, according to what I believe, he sacrificed his own life for us so that we could have a relationship with the divine. And eternal life is what he says that he gives. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of things, not because of my faith. I I never really had a fear of death, but the thought of going on into the next world who knows what that's going to be, you know? Well, I have my opinions, obviously. <laughs> well, exactly. And we'll talk about that one day, I think, you know, we should, we should. And, um, but anyway, thanks for everybody that's listened to us this entire year. It's been a great year. I'm looking forward to 2022 and getting into some more of this, these deep studies, finishing the Olivet Discourse, getting into some revelation, but also Cherry's going to be doing some uh, women's studies, you know, oh, breaking yeah. down. Yeah, that's right. Yep, we're going to do that. And then Ralph's going to get into the pseudepigrapha and the apocrypha. And um, we're going to learn more about the surrounding writings of the Bible, but also the writings of the Bible. And, you know, historically, uh, I'm probably going to start talking about people like John Wesley and Charles Wesley and C.H. Spurgeon and all of these people that were pivotal in making, you know, Christianity. Modern what Christianity. It, that's yeah. right. Yep. Even up to today. And then we'll probably get back to making fun of those prosperity preachers again. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt that that'll come back. <laughs> we got really serious, but we got to, you know, and maybe we'll do some more dad jokes. Who knows? 
Anyway, well, listen, Andy, you have a great day. Everybody, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Thank you. The um, the one thing I want to do, you know how we do like holiday edition? Holla! We do yep. all that. Okay, so I'm going to do this for the anniversary. Okay. So I'll do this, and if you would, put it at the beginning, you know, right after you, you know? Okay. All right, so. It's our anniversary. I feel like that was well delivered. I feel like that was well delivered. Good. You get me to it's our anniversary. You could put both. It would be oh my god, that'd be funny. Feel free to to embellish There's a little a vocal bit. Vocal line, mind of yours. So it's like it sounds like it's really well, except I sound like shit. 